Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 113 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Erin, Stevie's mom. Stevie just died in February of this year, so Erin's grief is really quite fresh. Regular listeners of the show will certainly notice a big similarity between this story and episode 97, Eliza's Mom, which uh, we will briefly discuss in the episode as well. I do want to take a minute here before we start to once again talk about the live stream that will be coming up this next Tuesday, November 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This is the time that Gwen and I will be doing a live stream on kind of preparing for the holidays and what grieving in the holidays can look like. So be sure to tune in to that and come with any questions that you might have as well. This will be on Facebook Live or on my YouTube channel. So both are under Always Andy's Mom. I am also going to announce that next month we're going to do something similar. So the week of Christmas and the week of New Year's, we will be again having some live streams. So the Christmas episode will be that Thursday right before Christmas. And we'll again be Gwen and I hosting some questions, kind of last minute questions before that Christmas holiday. So talking about that and maybe a bit of a part two of what we start right before Thanksgiving. And then the week between Christmas and New Year's, I will be having three of my favorite guests that I've had and three women who have all become quite close friends to me. Uh, We will be having kind of a post-Christmas chat. So those three women are Stephanie, whom I've talked about many times and who's now at Starlight Ministries, Chrissy, Caleb's mom, who has been on the show twice before, and Demetra, who was most recently on the show as well, and has brought me kind of different guests from Toronto. I picked these three women in particular because we are each one year apart in our journeys. So Stephanie is four years out, I'm three years out, Chrissy's two years out, and Demetra is one year out. And I think we will be able to offer some kind of unique perspectives that way and just have a nice discussion as to what Christmas was like and how things may be changing over time. So be sure to watch for more announcements regarding dates and times for those live streams as well. An additional reminder, if you are starting to do any Christmas shopping and going to be on Amazon, be sure to go to smile.amazon.com and pick always Andy's mom as the charity that you'd like to support because I certainly would appreciate any support I can get. You can also go to the website at any point and make some donation as well if you feel inclined to do so. So thank you so much for supporting the show and for supporting me 
And now I really want you to enjoy listening to Aaron, Stevie's mom. Thank you so much, Aaron, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast. I am just delighted to be able to talk to you today about your daughter, Stevie. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah. So why don't you just start out by telling us about Stevie and who she was as a little baby? Yeah, she, Stevie, was the happiest baby. We, she came into the world real quick and immediately just made just completed our family. She was always, anybody who knew her knows that she was always laughing, eating, eating. She would eat anything. I would put a cup of, you know, broccoli in front of her and she would devour all of it, which was very different than my oldest child. So she was just wanted to be involved and just happy, you know, to be pulled around by her older sister and just very fun, always dancing. Yeah. She was just a joy to be around. She was wonderful. So she was your second then? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she was little. The her older sister is about a year and a half older. Um, her older sister is Charlie. Mm-hmm. And she just immediately like fell in love with her and they were just great together. Her older sister always wanted to be involved and, you know, helping change diapers or getting her dressed or whatever it was. And she's a boss. So she was very, she's a firstborn. Exactly. Stevie had to be very, you know, laid back and, and she was great with all of it. So it was very good. How much age gap, excuse me. How many months was it? I think about, I think it was a year and a half. A year and a half. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah. So they were very close. They were great. Always dancing. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you live in Colorado? Is that right? No. Where do you live? Yes. Okay. Colorado. Yep. That's where yep. I was right. Okay. okay. <laughs> yes. So it's, it's uh, you know, the changing of the seasons and getting out in the wintertime. Stevie was born December 1st. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we, we, my husband and I also have December birthdays. So it was kind of a whole, you know, month of fun. And my oldest, is bir- her birthday's in June. So she's kind of a little bit different, but they, you know, we had a good time. Do you have any fun, special stories to tell about Stevie? We, so there's this song called, um, I don't know what the song's actually called, but the lyrics are bounce that booty like a basketball. It's hilarious. <laughs> and she would dance to this song and we actually played it at her celebration of life, but she would dance to this song. As soon as it came on, she would be so excited and come running out and started dancing. It was great. So that's like one of our best memories of her. And I've got like, you know, 20 videos of her dancing to this, to this song. It's hilarious. Oh, that's so funny. I think it's so funny how some kids are really like attracted to one song and that yes. song comes on and it's just like, it's irresistible that they're just going to yeah. dance no matter what, no matter what's going on or who's around or, oh my gosh. Exactly. Yeah. She loved it. So, and she was just always wanted to be involved. Like I would, you know, be nursing her sitting on the couch and somebody would walk in and she'd pop her head up, like staring around, like just want and make sure everything was cool. And that, you know, she'd go back to nursing. And so she just, we said that she had FOMO. She had the fear of missing out on like everything. Very yeah. good. I like yeah. that term. That's there. what it sounds like for sure. Don't let anything happen without me knowing about it. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Always had to be in the know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
Yeah, she was awesome. So why don't you go on now and talk a little bit about what happened to Stevie? Yeah, we, uh, my husband and I were in Las Vegas for a friend's birthday party, or birthday. We went out for the weekend. He and I went a, a night before on Friday. It was the first time we'd ever left Stevie. We co-sleep and nurse. And so we were just kind of, you know, it was nerve wracking, but at the same time I was kind of touched out and like, okay, let's have a weekend to kind of reset. So we, Mm -hmm. we left and on Sunday morning, we were in the airport and I got a phone call from our family friend who the girls were staying with. And I answered it. We were like going through the gift shop, trying to pick out little toys to bring home for them. I answered it. And she said, there's been an accident. The baby's not breathing. I called the ambulance and they took her. And I just remember yelling, what, what, like my brain heard what she said, mm-hmm. but I could not process. And my husband's like looking at me and I'm like, what? And I, it felt like, you know, five minutes that I was doing that. It was probably 15 seconds. And my husband, she goes, you know, hand the phone to Dalton. So I hand the phone over to my husband and I just ran out of the store. And I was like in the middle of the you know terminal, just like screaming, like, oh my God, what is happening? Thinking. And so he comes out and And we're sitting in the terminal on a bench and very upset. And he calls um, his dad and his brother to get down to the hospital. They didn't let anybody go with her. So she was all alone and they live pretty close by. And I called a friend of mine who um, is a nurse and she went um, also headed to the hospital. And I want to say it was like maybe 25 minutes later after, you know, we're calling all of our people and trying to get a hold of people and, and he talked to the doctor. They called and said that they couldn't revive her. Oh my goodness. And get her back. And so we, you know, I just remember being like, get me out of here. Like I need to leave this airport. I need yeah. to get out now. Yeah. And we still had like an hour before our flight. Oh my. So they ended up coming and kind of putting us in a family restroom area because I had like fallen to the ground and was screaming and So they put us in this family restroom where we like, I just remember like rolling around on the ground, like what is going on? We need to do something being so hopeless. Like there was nothing we could do. Mm -hmm. You know, they came and got us and said, you know, your flight is boarding. And just thinking like in my head, like what is happening? Like, you know, when my friend got to the, to the hospital before we heard that she had passed, she was, uh, his dad had said, you know, she's intubated. And I'm like, okay, like as a nurse, I know, like, kids respiratory, like we, we can handle this. Like we can get past yeah. whatever, like this is okay. You know, it's not a death sentence. We can do this. And then once my friend got there, she said she's intubated and they're still doing compressions. And then I just knew like, this wasn't yeah. going to end well, yeah. you know, it'd been 45 minutes since the first call, like this just wasn't going to end well. So they came and got us and put us on the flight. We were like right in the front row and I just remember, like, I don't even think I blinked, just like staring straight the entire, you know, time we were on this plane and just being like in such disbelief and just like wondering what happened. Like, she's healthy. She's never been sick. Like, it was just everything was playing in my head and we were on this airplane and couldn't talk to anybody. Like, it was just so isolating. And we, we got to the, to the airport when we landed in Denver And we just ran, we just ran straight to the car. I remember like noises coming out of me that like I couldn't control. Like I kept it in the whole flight. And then I was just like hysterical. So we went running to the car and as we like landed, the coroner came in and took her. They said that they tried to wait as long as they could. So we, they took her and they told us to go to the police station. And I was like, in my head, like, what 
happened, like just so out of left field. So we go there and that was just protocol because she had died in a home and they, you know, had done their, started their investigation or started their whatever and said there was no, no foul play, no anything, you know, bad. They don't know what happened, but we, so we did that and, and met some of her family there and then went by to our good family friend where she was staying and and saw them and they were just absolutely distraught. So the coroner took her, that was on a Sunday. We didn't get to see her until Wednesday. Oh my goodness. We had to like wait until, and that was Wednesday night. They let us come and like see her for like an hour and her viewing was Thursday and then her celebration of life was Friday, but just out of left field. And we, this whole time, you know, we're just like, what is, so we had to wait probably two months before we got, you know, the autopsy back and the toxicology and they, on the, the death certificate says undetermined and we are part of now like the SUDC foundation has been really helpful and that's the sudden unexplained death in childhood yeah. that I didn't even know anything about yeah. and it's children who are a year to 18 years which is which is pretty crazy and like as a nurse I was like I definitely want to read this autopsy I want to know like and it just made me mad like every she was healthy there was no like anything on this piece of paper that they could tell me a reason why my baby was gone. She was perfectly healthy and it's frustrating. It's really hard. I feel like there's no, I mean, obviously we're going to grieve and, 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 you know, move forward, but there's nothing, I feel like there's no reason to grieve. Like why, you know, there's that question will always be there. I will never, you know, accept that it was just because, you know, that, that part's really hard. That is really incredibly hard. I really hard. Yeah. And and I had never even heard of it. Nobody like I'd never I mean I'd heard of SIDS and like yeah. you get to six months and you're like, okay, we're doing good. You get to a year, you're like, perfect, we're great, like moving on. Like you never have to think about that again. And you know, she was 14 months old and it was just just um a very, you know, unexpected situation you know you hear a lot of these kids dying of SUDC that had fevers the night before or had a history of seizures or different things and like well and I've actually had several people on that had sudden unexplained death and epilepsy that they Mm -hmm. yeah several now which which is much more common than I thought that was too Mm -hmm. yeah it's just so awful and then I've had kids on with SIDS too and you're right in that the general population definitely feels like you hit a certain age and you're good I've actually had parents come in with their kids as young as four months which is actually the peak age of SIDS thinking they're good Mm -hmm. now which yeah um, I was like Actually, this is the highest this age is it. right yeah. here at four months, which people don't know. And that, and then others come in at six months like, well, we're totally good now. Nope, yeah. really not. And I, I mean, you don't want to freak people out, but yeah. And then now I think after losing Andy and after talking to so many families, now I have seen so much more. And mm-hmm. so it's even harder for me to be reassuring, even though it's exceedingly rare, right? It's exceedingly yeah. rare. But yeah. now, you know, we know things that we wish we didn't know. Yeah. And, it, you know, as a nurse, I thought I just I don't remember this in my, you know, peds rotation at all ever learning about SUDC. Um, and maybe I did. It was, you know, like some time ago, but and I didn't have children. So it was maybe a little different in that aspect. But 
I don't know if it would have been better to know right. about it beforehand. Like it, it's nothing was ever going to stop it, you know, from happening, but I don't know. I, you know, that's a hard, like, it's really hard. And it's very funny and, and timely in some ways that just yesterday I was reading somebody posted something on Twitter and it clearly she had heard of someone who died just like this, just mm-hmm. just like your daughter did. And she started panicking and freaking out and said, I thought we were good because her child mm-hmm. is over a year old. I don't check on her in the night anymore. I don't watch her breathe anymore like I used to. And she was clearly mm-hmm. very, very panicked on Twitter like, this has now changed my life and now I'm going to have to be getting up and watching and seeing if she's still breathing, Yeah, which of course would not help at all. No, it wouldn't help like at all in the least because Mm-mm. when these kids die, it, it's, we can't do anything, which is what's so, yeah. so incredibly hard is that you have no idea yeah. why it happened. And also had somebody walked in that room whatever, I don't know how long she'd Mm -hmm. been gone, but had they walked in an hour earlier, it wouldn't have made a bit of difference probably. Right. So yeah, exactly. And she, yeah. And we were, we were told, you know, she had woken up about two 30 and our friend put her pacifier back in and she laid back down and kind of rubbed her back a little bit. And then I believe it was like six 30 or seven is when she went to pick her up to take her to go start making coffee and they were getting ready for church and all these things. And like her arm kind of fell and she like looked down and was like, oh my God, because she was warm and she was a little sweaty, but she always slept sweaty. That was just, yeah. all, my kids are hot blooded and that's just what it is. Um, so she didn't think anything abnormal about it. But I've heard some of these kids, you know what happened? It's 30 minutes after they lay down for a nap yeah. or it's five minutes after they fall asleep on the couch and- or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. So, so then I think about this woman and how now she's completely panicked and going to feel mm-hmm. like she's going to have to do all of this stuff. And it's and it's not going to help anything. So that goes back to your point of, would I have been happier having known? Probably not, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. probably not if you would have then lived that life more in fear. Yeah. It's sometimes better to be blissfully ignorant of the horribleness that can happen. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, if I was going to know that that was what was going to happen, you know, I would have wanted to know it was that weekend, you know, right. but I, right. it's impossible, you know, like that's just not a thing. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like I said, we were out of town for the first time and we co-slept and, and bed shared. And so, I mean, it would have, it could have been a very different situation if I had woken up in the morning and, and, you know, she was sleeping with me. I mean, that would have been right. Then you would have blamed yourself in some ways, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Devastating, you know? So not that I'm, you know, happy it happened somewhere else, but I think it played out the way it was kind of supposed to. I don't know if it's, yeah. Yeah. You know, you're my second mom that I've had on who was on a trip to Las Vegas her I listened to that one yes and I was like oh my gosh I know I thought when you were telling me that it was like it was so crazy because I was like I have heard this before I mean she wasn't at the airport she was still at the hotel but yes and we have talked about like you know if it had happened we got the call when we were still in the hotel what that would have you know looked like I mean I don't know that I could have you know I think the other mom was like in a wheelchair yeah Pushed through this casino and yeah. Yeah. Because her daughter just had died in her sleep too. She had had a history of epilepsy. So 
Yeah. It's just such a crazy, I mean, we just, I look back, you know, my life a year ago and I just couldn't fathom. It's been almost, it's been over a little over eight months. It happened in February of this year, February 7th. And I just, I don't know, last year we spent the last year, you know, fixing up our old house and selling and buying a new house. And so we were, you know, really wrapped up in that. And when we were on the trip in Las Vegas, we finally, I just, I decided you know, like what we were going to do with her room and what bed I wanted and what, you know, little things like that, that we were going to start kind of doing right. and to come home to not being able to do well, any she of was that. transitioning was... from being a baby to being a toddler, mm-hmm. right? So you were yeah. transitioning from yeah. a baby room to a toddler room for her. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we talked a lot about like her sleep while we were there. She had been up the last, you know, couple of weeks before we went on this trip, like she was getting up a lot in the middle of the night and didn't want to sleep well. And my husband would go drive her around at two o'clock in the morning and, or we'd come down and sleep with her on the couch. Actually that Thursday night, it was the last night that we had her and, and I slept with her down on the couch and she slept great. And, you know, it was just kind of our time together. And so it just kind of, uh, I'm lucky that I have those memories of that. And then for her to, you know, die in her sleep was just so out of left field for both of us. It was just crazy. We have a very great support group of friends and family who, you know, were here. And my best friend's sister was actually in in Utah for her oldest daughter's water polo game. At the same time we were in Las Vegas, she's from California. Um, And I had called her because I couldn't get a hold of anybody in the hotel. They were all still sleeping because it was so early. And and so I called her to, you know, try to get a hold of them to wake them up and, and whatnot. And she ended up driving from Utah to Las Vegas and they all got on a flight back to Colorado and they were all here for over a week and were able to help with everything and, and you know, put on the service and, and that kind of stuff. Cause I don't know, I, I couldn't have done that no. by myself. That was, no. I mean, we, you know, to go sit down and we had her cremated and, you know, what, what urn do you want and what music do you want played at the viewing and what, and I'm just like, I know I didn't think about any of this stuff, yeah. you know, it's just, it was great to have everybody there to help for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For you sure. just can't, you just can't do mm-hmm. all of that stuff. I mean, I've said this before. Yeah. I, I like couldn't even do my hair. I mean, I it was like mm-hmm. simple, yeah. silly things that I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. at all so yeah. the idea of planning all of this I mean my husband and yeah. I picked out scripture I remember we mm-hmm. did that I talked to, uh, to Andy's choir director and I I just put him in completely in charge of the music because you know music was such a special part of of Andy's life yeah. and and he arranged all of it and it was it was beautiful it was but there's just so little that I feel like I can do. And then the afterwards, the, mm-hmm. you know, we had kind of a reception and all of that. That just was completely yeah. handled by somebody else. Cause I, I yeah. didn't think about it. I didn't even eat, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're just like on autopilot and you just are kind of, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I didn't get out of sweats for weeks and just kind of let everybody else kind of help me, you know, to, get all that stuff done. And it was a lot, Yeah. especially when, you know, you have other children, you've got to explain that to them. And, and yeah, talk about that with Charlie. This happened in February. So she was a little over three and a half. She's four now. Uh-huh. And she was at, she was sleeping downstairs with the oldest daughter of our friend. 
Um, so all of this happened upstairs. The ambulance came and took her before Charlie was ever woken up, which I am very thankful for because I would not have wanted her like that. We met um, some family at the at the police department and, and Charlie was there. So we took Charlie with us and we went back to our friend's house, you know, to see them. And um, she's like, are we going to pick up Stevie? And I was like, no, honey, we're, we're not going to pick up Stevie right now. Um, and she just kind of saw everybody upset. She didn't really get it. And so when we got home, I couldn't bring myself to use the words died or that she was dead. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't say it. So I, I told her that Stevie was our angel now and she's in heaven and, you know, she's not going to come back, but she loves us so much and she's always with us. And we have really tried, I mean, we have her pictures everywhere. Charlie now will, you know, go outside and, and play and we'll take a picture and, and put it down and talk to Stevie and take her with her. And so we, we really want her involved in everything that we do. I'm, my biggest fear was that Charlie's so little that she's going to forget, Yeah, you know, her moments with Stevie and she might not remember, you know, on her own, but we've got lots of, of pictures and videos and things. And, and I want, we just will always, you know, her second birthday is December 1st and this will be her first birthday without her. And she only got the, you know, her first birthday and because of quarantine and all of that, we didn't do a party. So we've been talking about it and Charlie wants to do a, a rainbow party for her. We rainbows are kind of our uh, like symbol for Stevie yeah. and we've seen them everywhere since all of this. So it's been comforting mm-hmm. and it, it's crazy when, you know, she was, like I said, three and a half and the empathy that she had, like she would hear me, she'd be somewhere else completely different in the house and would hear me cry and would come running. I'm right here, mommy. I'm right here. I'm right here. And, you know, there was a, a day a couple months ago that my husband and I were kind of having a meltdown on the couch and she goes and fills up bags of ice and she goes, here, this is for your heart. It's hurting. And I was just oh, like, oh my gosh, oh. like you're just the sweetest, you know, like yeah. it's, um, that is so precious. Yeah. Yeah. Like as much as we try to, you know, not always be upset. Like, I think it's healthy for her to see us hurting and, and then how we, you know, dry our tears and get up the next day and, and we try again. Yeah, it is so, you are so right there. I mean, kids need to see you grieve. They do. And it's it's not healthy for you to hold it all back from them. I know you want to protect them, but they need to see that that mm-hmm. Stevie mattered and that you miss her and that how much exactly. you love her. You know, yeah. it makes them feel I think more secure in their in their place in the house. Yeah. yeah. Especially when they can't um express what they're feeling. Yeah. I can tell, you know, she woke up the other day and went into her room and was just like standing and staring at a picture of Stevie and then like goes over, puts her head on the bed. Like she can't tell me what she's feeling, Mm -hmm. but like she knows that it's safe to feel it and that it's okay to let that out. And that's what I'm trying to, you know, show her and and let her know that it's normal. And that, you know, as a family, I want her to see that we'll get through it together. Yeah. 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 It's been, it's been hard. It's been hard for sure. Charlie is definitely the light of our lives. She's keeping us together for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She's great. You know, I recently had the interview with Michelle who did grief parenting. I don't know if you've listened to that, Mm -hmm. but talking about that would be good, good for you because it, it, 
she does talk about how it's good to show your emotions and then to to talk about theirs and to to mm-hmm. even say it looks like you're having a sad day or are you remembering Stevie right now or just invite mm-hmm. them to share a little bit how that can be really helpful definitely i know it's something it's something gwen has said in the past too that that she talks about how that they have something called i think it's her grandfather that died and so when grandma's sad then it's like well it's her mother actually so i was thinking about from Mm -hmm. her kid's perspective and that that when her mom is sad and missing her husband her late husband they'll say grandma's having a papa moment that she's thinking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. And so we have talked about that in our family that I will ask the kids, is it just an Andy day? Are you just having an Andy day today? Mm-hmm. And I think it's been nice to be able to talk about it. And obviously you can't do the exact same thing like that for Charlie because that will be a little more difficult. But still mm-hmm. to be able to be like, this is okay to talk about, you know, it's. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Definitely. Mm-hmm. It is. Like I said, it, you know, this is the hardest thing we've ever gone through, but it's amazing to see the resilience and empathy in Charlie is just unreal. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. So talk about your grief journey a little bit and what, I, even from those early days, I mean, that, yeah. I think about how difficult that must have been to not be able to see her. Until mm-hmm. Wednesday, I definitely it was so hard, and we I haven't been to a lot of funerals or viewings, you know, a few when I was younger. But with a child, you know, when we got to the to the funeral home, and she said, you know, do you want me to go pick her up so when you walk in the room, I can hand her to you? And I was just like, well, yeah, she's my baby. Like, yes, I, I want to hold her. And 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 walking through those doors, I just remember like sound coming out that I like didn't even know I could make I don't know and just like it wasn't obviously she wasn't the same but she was it was such a weird moment and I think I've really struggled with with that with her you know she just looked different she didn't really have a smile on her face when that's all we always saw and so I think that part's been really hard and then having her um you know cremated and just being like where is she you know I don't know it's just a very it's been difficult. You know, we've, we've tried, I've, I've been going to counseling and, and doing those things. And we've tried some kind of grief counseling together and separate. And it's just a journey that like they say is up and down and up and down. Like grieving is not a linear thing. There's some days where I'm like, okay, I'll be fine. And, and I can, you know, keep moving forward. And then, you know, the, the week leading up to mother's day, this may complete wreck like I could not function for the entire week like it was insane and I feel like sometimes the buildup is even harder than like the actual day was mm-hmm. and you know we'll get some of that this year with the holidays and things and but it, it definitely is a it's a challenge Our society doesn't talk about grieving and it's just kind of like this thing that happens and then kind of everybody else goes on their way and you're still grieving um, and I think especially with a child, it makes people uncomfortable, Yep. but I'm, you know, I refuse to like, to not talk about it. Like I'm going to keep talking about her, you know, it's, 
just how I it's part of my grief journey is to to do that and we've we've we did a, a an angel walk last month um in honor of her and I just want to continue to do things that you know kind of force people to remember her and and talk about her well and I think your instance is even worse than many in that it was completely out of the blue completely unexpected mm-hmm. and she's completely healthy And that's Mm -hmm. scary for people. That's scary for people to think you had no way to avoid this. Mm -hmm. Right? You think of other ones and like, oh, yeah, but their kid had this illness or or like a drug overdose or something like that. That could never happen to me. I mean, Mm -hmm. even some car accident kinds of things like, well, my kids are always buckled and I have the best car seat ever and this could never happen and so I think you're constantly as from the outside people are trying to come up with reasons that this could not Mm -hmm. happen to them and they feel really bad for you and I'm so sorry that this horrible thing happened to you but whoo couldn't happen to me it's not gonna happen to me and for you you can't say that they Mm-mm. can't say that. They can't look at you and say, Mm-mm. well, that happened to her because, because there is no why. Yeah, there is no reason. There's no reason yeah. at all. And that's, so that is so scary. That's like the woman on Twitter, right? Why she's completely yeah. freaking out. Mm-hmm. And in her case, she thinks there is something she can do, which there isn't. Unfortunately, yeah. I did not reply to her like, you would never be able to stop it anyway, because that's not yeah, going yeah. feel any better. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's, it yeah. makes it worse for people. It makes it so much worse, I think. From that And I think in, in regards to like the grieving process, we dropped off our healthy, happy, giggling baby on a Friday. And next Wednesday, we held our dead child. Like we didn't get the process of like watching her in the hospital or not that I would ever have wanted to see that or make that decision to take her or whatever it is. But like, we didn't, that piece was just missing. Like, so our brains to like process that is so difficult because we didn't have this time to say goodbye or to see that, you know, I I don't know. It's very, I mean, I can absolutely hundred percent relate because right. I'm in the car we're on our way to a baseball game. I'm talking to Andy about how when we get home from the game, I'm going to find him Lord of the Rings in the office so he can start to read it. Mm-hmm. And the next thing I know, I'm sitting on the grass on the side of the road. I look over my shoulder and I see three people doing CPR on my child from a ways. So I'm like yeah. 25 feet away. And I start screaming hysterically, making those kind of noises, right? And mm-hmm. and saying, all I kept saying, I know I kept saying over and over again, is please God, please God, please God, please God. I never said anything else. That's all I said. And then, of course, the firemen are like, get this woman out of here, right? Because there mm-hmm. are people everywhere. And I mean, I, I can't even tell you. I think we counted on the... And the, our, our attorney counted the, through the police report how many ambulances were there. And I think there were like mm-hmm. six and three mm-hmm. fire trucks. and Like it was crazy. And so they just like shuttled me off and then put me in an ambulance and told me, you know, despite our best efforts, we were unable to save your son. And I didn't get to go see him. Like I mm-hmm. never saw him until mm-hmm. the funeral home. 
on mm-hmm. Sunday, and this was Wednesday night. So mm-hmm. I had one difference in that I saw like seconds of CPR from 25 feet away, but mm-hmm. I have this regret in my mind, like, why didn't I ask to hold him? Why didn't mm-hmm. I let make them let me out of the ambulance? But you know, they, I had a cut and burns and concussion and it's they wanted me to get to the it. hospital to get myself, you know, to get medical care too. But such a regret right? That I didn't mm-hmm. get to hold my baby one more time. Because yeah. by then, now it's days later and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just different. It's, not the it's same. It's mm-hmm. just different. So I totally yeah. get that, how that, like, you're fine and then suddenly you're it's not. days later looking mm-hmm. at your child who's gone. Yeah. It's it's so hard. It's so, so hard. hard. It's so hard. So hard. And so much different than some people's experience. And I, like you, I would have hated to see him deteriorate in some ways. But it's so much of, you're not supposed to die on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. Right? You're supposed to make it to the hospital. I should have been able to see him in the hospital. But they Mm -hmm. didn't even. I mean, he went straight to the morgue. He didn't go Mm -hmm. to the hospital. He went straight to the morgue. Yeah. And I, I just, as a doctor, I think in the medical field, you feel like <laughs> people make it to the hospital, right? Totally. Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah. And my mother-in-law took a, a picture of her when she was in the hospital, like after they had called it. And, and it took me a little bit to want to see that picture, but it just, and honestly, it's the last picture. She looks like herself. Mm-hmm even with, you know, tubes and things like she looks like her because that first time seeing her at the funeral home, she didn't look like her, you know, and that was really, really hard. We went, so her celebration of life was on Friday and and Saturday she was going to be cremated. And they said, you know, you can, you could be there. You can, whatever you you can see them put her in all these things. And I was like, I just want to be in the building. Like, I just can't let her do this alone. Like, I just need to, you know, be there for whatever reason. I just... And so we go in and we get to see her one more time. And she looked very much like herself, but she was in a cardboard box. And I was just like, how is that? It was awful. It was so awful. But she looked like her, like the most that she had looked like her since. So in that sense, we were, you know, lucky to see her again. How do you, how many times do you keep going back, you know, like before you just, you just have to do it, you know, and. Five hours later, you, I don't know, pick up a bag of ashes. It's its just, your mind just can't wrap no. itself, you know. It's just so. It doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't. That's right. It just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. And you just can't get your mind to, to think this is ever happening. It just is so. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it's great. I mean, even still, I mean, I. Eight months later, it's so surreal. Like, I just still am not. I, I have to tell you, three years later, I still have moments where I think to myself, I cannot believe this is my life. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe he's gone. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah. and it's three years. And I, you know, I, yeah. think, I think about he should be a senior in high school this year. And so, you know, his friends are seniors in high school. And that's been, that's been difficult, I think, just yeah. thinking about those 
things that should be happening and uh, we should yeah. be looking to colleges and we should be doing all this stuff and yet we're not right we're not yeah yeah it's yeah it's such a surreal surreal thing i think for you this month of december coming up will be so hard yeah right to have her birthday and then so hard. and the holidays and yeah so hard we so the day she was born we're big bronco uh, denver broncos fans okay. football and the day she was born the broncos played the chargers and at home and, and we beat them and the only game we went to in 2020 was broncos chargers and we took stevie with us and we beat the chargers and so we were like any game that you know the broncos play the chargers is going to be stevie's tailgate and we're going to do it big and and this year it's on her birthday weekend oh my goodness wow good to kind of start that this year which will be i think a good way for for all of us to kind of you know have a moment to remember and to honor her for sure so that'll be uh november 28th this year which will be awesome Okay, so we all have to cheer for the Broncos. I don't care yes. where you're from, <laughs> listeners. If you are from California, it does not matter. You have got to yeah. be a Broncos fan that weekend for exactly, sure. Exactly, exactly. Yes, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. <laughs> so it'll be good. So oh. like they say one day at a time. Sometimes I feel like it's one hour at a time one minute at a time you know people say like oh time and with time and things I feel like it's almost gets harder it's not getting any easier this is never I feel like there's you know in my grief journey I'm definitely right now struggling with the further we get away doesn't mean that she doesn't matter or isn't loved but I'm it's a hard thing to just keep moving forward and keep going you know the every every time I go to look at pictures of her it's further back in my phone I have to scroll yep to get there and it, it takes a stab at your heart every time. I mean, it's just little things like that, that it's just, it's hard. I thought of that just the other day when, so I have an iPhone and you know how iPhone, they give you like pictures every day. They give you yeah. like a little yeah. group of pictures. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it struck me. It used to be that, that all the pictures in it, except for maybe one or two would have Andy in it. And now they don't. Now it's like, half maybe less than half sometimes and that's mm-hmm. that makes me so sad and I was just doing this yesterday I was looking at them all and they have the dates of them all and I'm like before the death and after the death and how many of them were before yeah. August 15th 2018 and how many were after and yeah just the smiles of people I don't know I it's like I'm torturing myself I know when I do that but <laughs> but it's no it's it's what goes through your head constantly that you know that doesn't get talked about you know a lot and it's it's so true and I feel like it's such a there's two time periods in my life and it's before Stevie died and after Stevie died and Uh really that's like how my life is you know will forever be you know broken up now Uh, you you are different absolutely right that's exactly what I think of days before august 15th 2018 mm-hmm. and days after and it, yeah. it just is such a sudden shift in my life mm-hmm. i know there are parts of me that are the same right there are parts of us that are the same yeah. but so much of me is different mm-hmm. i think that's can be yeah. hard for other people to understand too how you're just different to the core 
yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, everything. I mean, everything you thought about life and your future or your present moment, everything is completely different. I remember in the very beginning, you know, a couple few weeks after Stevie died, like going out as a family or going, you know, to the store. I didn't go very many places, but when we did, just the three of us, and it was like, we're missing something. It just constantly, you know, we're missing this piece. And it's, you just see it every day. You feel it every day. It's such a hard thing. You know, even just walking out the store, out of the door to go to the store, to go grocery shopping, and you feel like you're missing something. And other people just don't see that. They're like, oh, great. You got out and went to the store. But like, what's going on in your head is I'm doing this without my daughter, you know, and that part, it's hard and you can't, you know, you don't want to feel like you're constantly seeing, you know, I think people would look at it and think maybe you're, you know, being negative constantly, like she's gone, she's missing, she's not here, but like everything is a reminder of that, you know? And that's honestly is what's happening in your head. I mean, that's, I can think personally, Mm -hmm. that is what would happen in my head where I would be doing something and it'd be completely unrelated to Andy and, and trying to just do something sort of normal. And my mm-hmm. mind would be screaming in my head, Andy's dead. Andy's dead. Mm-hmm. How can you be doing this? Andy's yeah. dead. Right? Yeah. And it's like, and I th- yep. feel like it screamed that in my head so continuously because so a part of me didn't believe it. And like, well, it's like having a battle mm-hmm. in my own mind with yeah, like a part of me totally. that just didn't believe it. And the part of me was like, this is true. You need to believe it. And so they were constantly at war with each other, mm-hmm. trying to get you to believe it. And sometimes totally. I just didn't want to. I just yeah. didn't want to believe it. I just wanted to say, yeah. you know what? Let's just pretend that Andy's at school Mm -hmm. today like I just can't Mm -hmm. I just can't do this today yeah right yeah and that I feel like right now eight months later is what I am struggling with like I there's a part of me that I feel like a little kid inside my body and I'm gonna kick and scream and roll on the ground and say this isn't happening this isn't real I'm not gonna accept it because if I accept it she's further away and I'm not doing that. And so I'm like having this internal struggle daily, you know, behind closed door, people can't hear what's going on in my head, but it's a constant thing. Like I am not going to accept this because she's further away if I do. And it's hard. It's really hard. It really is. And I feel like after six months, things got harder. And, and in general, people yes. think it's been six months. You're definitely going to be better now. You're getting better. You're better now than mm-hmm. you were six months ago. But I think it's worse. Yeah. I think it's worse because <clears throat> I agree. the shock Completely. and the disbelief is, is there and it's numbing. It can numb that mm-hmm. for a while. And I think it lasts six mm-hmm. months. I, I feel like I can, now I feel yeah. like I have had enough experience talking to other people that I could say, I don't think this is a unique yeah. experience to me. I think this is universal. Yeah. It lasts a good six totally. months that you feel like I'm just in shock and you're not even having the mind mm-hmm. games in your head. Like, 
I'm not yeah. going to believe it. Like right now you're having a battle in your head. Like I'm not going to believe it. Cause if I start to believe it, it will become more real. You're just not the first six mm-hmm. months. You just don't. And yeah. it's not like there's a battle yeah. in your head. You just don't believe it. It's not happening. This isn't real. Yeah. And, and certainly at times, you know, that it is real, but it's just, it's shock. Just is this numbing shock. And the, mm-hmm. that starts to wear off. Yep. And when that numbing shock wears off, the pain is, oh, right? Yeah. It's just. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a pain that I can't describe other than to say, like, my soul is on fire. Like, there are times I lay in bed at night and, like, you just can't catch your breath and you're just, like, laying there, like, in it's just a pain that I can't describe. And that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Like it is absolutely. And in those moments is so unbearable. It's horrible. It's, it's awful. It's so hard. So what are some things that have kind of brought you a little bit of peace? You know, I think um, keeping her memory alive with Charlie, because Charlie, her young innocence, you know, it, it, we were in a hot tub. This was months ago and, and it was dark and we were up in the mountains and, and she points up and she goes, hi, Stevie. Hi, I miss you. Like pointing at the stars. And I just like crumbled. And it's just those little moments that she brings it out yesterday. And it, it randomly happens and it doesn't happen every day, but the way the sun hit the window on the front door made a rainbow on the floor and she like lays down next to it and she'll kiss it and talk to it. And like, it's those moments that like, I don't know, just really bring me peace that like, she's not going to forget. And that us as a family that we can move forward together. I think those are that you're going to make it. Yeah. And I think those are like the biggest watching, watching Charlie's love for Stevie still be alive it's, it's yeah, huge and what a great lesson that is for us too because i i think back even to the therapist that i saw and how i felt like i needed to be sad all of the time in some ways because if i mm-hmm. let go of the sadness at every moment i was somehow letting go of, mm-hmm. of Andy. and yes. i remember my therapist saying to me it's not the grief that holds you to him it's the love. It's the love that holds it. Mm-hmm. And Charlie is the, lives that. I mean, she is a living example mm-hmm. of that, of the love yeah. is what holds you to Stevie. And I mean, what mm-hmm. a great example for her to give that to you all the time to help you remember yeah. that if you let go of some of that deep sorrow, at some point, you know, mm-hmm. when you, when you are willing to let go of that, it can be, I mean, it, it's okay. And it's not meaning that you're letting mm-hmm. go of Stevie yeah. at all, at all, because in some ways, mm-hmm. if you let go of some of that, some of those negative emotions and work through some of those negative emotions, the love can fill your heart once again mm-hmm. and show you yeah. This is how I love her. This is how I honor her. This is what I do. And what a better yeah. way to live. It's just needing to get to that point, mm-hmm. right? And get past the guilt and get past all of that to get to that point of accepting that I just want to show love for me for Andy, you for Stevie. Totally. And 
every part of my yeah. life, everything that I do, if I can just show it yeah. instead of mm-hmm. all the sadness all the time. Yeah, it's a it's a real thing. I remember the first time we it was we had family over and a big barbecue and we took a big group picture and and I remember thinking like I want to grab her picture and, and hold it like for the you know we were here at our house and but I don't want people to think like I'm you know weird like taking the you know anyway, this was just a few months after it happened and I was like okay and I didn't do it and I just remember being like I didn't like the way that felt and and I told Dalton that and he goes I almost oh. did the same thing and I was like okay well then I'm I'm forever going to do that. So when Charlie's birthday party in June happened here, we grabbed her picture and took a picture holding and Charlie like loves it. She is so into it. And like I said, you know, taking her picture around or there's a picture of her eating and Charlie will take it and have breakfast with her and talk to her and, and sit there. So it, it's, I just it's love nice. that. She is doing an amazing job of keeping Stevie alive. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. And like, you know, innocence and, and, she doesn't understand what she's doing, but it is like such a huge thing for, for her dad and I, like it's, and such it's amazing. You such hope and healing really, it really is. Mm-hmm. And it makes yeah. it more. Okay. It does. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like if she wants to take her picture yeah. and have breakfast with her, then you know, you don't have to hide your yeah. grief from her. You know that like, exactly. okay, can... you know what? I can do that too. That's not that weird. And so we, we do that, you know, we say good morning and we talk to her and, you know, it's just part of our everyday lives now. That's just what we do. And I think it just allows her to express herself. Like I said, she can't say having a bad day, I'm really missing my sister, but she will go grab her picture and sit with her in color or whatever it is. You know, it's amazing to see. Yeah, that is amazing to see. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you feel like you really wanted to share with the audience today? I think, you know, just in any aspect of any age of any ways that they've, you know, our children have died. I think we understand something that not everybody does. And and we are, you know, just have to be there for each other. Like it's, it's a hurt and a pain that nobody will ever understand, but we can, you know, share it with each other is the biggest you know yeah I think you're right yeah. we're talking at our um my grief support group that I'm facilitating last night about having a dive team around you having your team mm-hmm. and I think that having some other bereaved parents on that team mm-hmm. can be really helpful because my group that I have yeah. it's it's primarily people that are pretty early in their grief and a lot of them don't have that yet and I I think it will bless mm-hmm. them when they get it. And yeah. When they do. Yeah. It's just, they're a very precious part of your team. I get that. I was putting together, writing down my team last night and seeing how many bereaved parents were on there. And then thinking about how it's a vastly different team than had I written that list down two years ago. So your team can change yeah. and yeah. And that's okay. And that's okay. And I think it's good. Yeah. I think it's good that it changes. Mm-hmm. But it's not the same. It means we're growing yeah. and we're changing too. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you. Oh, well, thank you so much for agreeing to share the story of your Stevie yes. with us today. I have really thank loved you. learning about her. Thank you. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.